Father, we just come before you with our hands on our hearts, desiring, Lord God, that your spirit would move in our midst, move in our hearts, in our minds, our souls, our spirits, that revelation knowledge would come, Lord God, discovering the call, who is called, what it means to be called, why we're called, where we're called, when we're called. What is the difference that our call makes? Open our hearts and our minds to see things the way you see them, to see things maybe differently than we ever have before. And as we enter in, Lord God, to your word today, let your word do its work. Let that sharp two-edged sword just cut away any deceptions, any lies, any misconceptions, Lord God, of who we are as your sons and daughters, as children of the king, as king's kids. Bless this time. I, I surrender all that I am. I yield myself to you as an instrument of righteousness. Come and have your way with me. Bring what you need for us today that the name of Jesus be glorified. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, I got some crazy things kind of stirring in me this morning, but uh, we're going to talk about the call of God. Discovering your call. Pastor Jamie, he had some really interesting thoughts on that last week. And I was, uh, it, was, it was fun to watch it this morning, fresh and new, and then realize how it just kind of intertwines with what God was showing me. And before I get into the Word, I just want to, I want to prep a little bit and tell you just a little bit about myself. Some of you know me. Some of you know what I do, many of you don't, and that's okay, but I just want to give you a little backdrop on uh, how I got here today. Why am I get the one to have the microphone today? And uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting journey. I, I was raised in a Roman Catholic family, went to Catholic school for 12 years. My mom and dad, they loved God, seriously. They were passionate about God, but all they knew was religion. That's all they were raised with was what they were presented, what was presented in their lives. And they pursued everything that the Catholic Church offered all those years. We prayed before and after every meal. We got on our knees before we went to bed as a family. There was eight kids. We prayed to God. We prayed religious prayers. But there was a pursuit of the call that my mom and dad had. And I watched that as I was growing up. My mother and father, they would drag us to all these different meetings that the Catholic Church had in the late 60s, early 70s. There was a, a move, a charismatic movement in the Catholic Church, the Lutheran Church. There was a sweeping of God. And my mom and dad were caught up in it. And they would drag us as kids to this thing. It's like, come on, not another one. Do we have to go again? And in that process of living and growing up with my parents, there was something that rubbed off on me. There was a hunger, a desire, a yearning, a longing of, who am I? Am I called? Why am I here? What's my purpose? God, do you know me? Do you love me? Do you care about me? All of those things. And then uh, something happened. I was a, a senior in high school, 
Went to St. Agnes High School down in St. Paul, Frogtown. Um, we had our religion class, and there was a guy, his name was Brother Joe. He was the one that was administering the teaching for the, the Catholic curriculum. And we had a group of us that were, you know, you get to that age where you're, you're looking for truth. You know, your teen years, early 20s, it's like, what am I here for? What's the purpose of life? So we went to Brother Joe at the beginning of the year, and we said, hey, there's a group of us. Can we, can we study from the Bible this year? Instead of, you know, the Catholic curriculum, can we study from the Bible this year? He said, oh, I got to go ask the Monsignor, see what he says. So we went to the Monsignor and asked him, and the answer was no. You can't study from the Bible this year. You got to stick with the Catholic curriculum. Well, being good, rebellious teenagers that we were, we started our own Bible study. We were hungry. We wanted to know more. We were looking for truth, longing for truth. And that began a journey for me personally on where I was going to go with life. Was I called? Who was I? Who am I? What's God's plan for my life? And I know many of you, you have those same questions. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, the thought process is still the same. We, we always continue to, I'll say for myself, struggle with identity. Who am I as the son of the king? Well, this, this journey just continued on. I, after high school, I went into the military, went into the Marine Corps four years, worked on fighter jets. I was a good Marine cussed like a sailor, drank like a fish, partied hard, foul-mouthed, nasty, but this is what we did. But I was still looking for truth. I'm 19, 20, 20 years old, and something happened while I was in the military. I'm stationed in Yuma, Arizona, the armpit of America. <laughs> Hot, nasty, it's just... It's, it's terrible conditions. And I'm in this shop working on ejection seats, and a man is transferred into our shop from outside, and he's my superior. His name is Staff Sergeant Martin Stewart, and this guy is a Jesus freak. <laughs> he is light in a dark place, and I'm thinking, oh my God, I gotta stay away from this guy. Every time I'm near him, I'm feeling uncomfortable. And something happened. This man is in our shop and everybody hates him. Everybody despises him. They don't want to be near him for what he represents. And I get orders to change from the day shift to go on the graveyard shift. And guess who I got stuck with? Staff Sergeant Martin Stewart, all alone. I'm thinking, my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to, get, I'm going to die. I'm getting stuck with this crazy Jesus freak. And this guy was big, two, 260 pounds, six foot five. And he lovingly began to share truth with me. Never criticized me, never condemned me. I'm living in darkness and he is light. And then he gave me a book called How to Live Like a King's Kid by Harold Hill. And this one book changed my life. This is a Biography about Harold Hill, an American businessman, successful, 50s, 60s, multimillionaire, alcoholic, 
drug addict, ready to commit suicide. He's empty inside. And something happens to Harold. Someone leads him to Jesus. And he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this whole book is about Harold Hill's life. How all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation in his life. He tells stories, crazy stories, about how the manifest presence of God was performed through his life. He realized he was called. I remember the, the first chapter, like it was, I mean, I read this book 40 plus years ago. I remember the first chapter like it was yesterday. Harold Hill, he's on an American commercial airline. They're flying somewhere in the United States. The plane is full of people, and all of a sudden, the hydraulics fail. The plane's going down. They're going to crash. They're all going to die. And Harold Hill, he, he says, glory to Jesus. It's graduation day. I'm coming home. And the Spirit of God interrupts his little party and says, hey, Harold, that's good for you. But how about the rest of these poor slobs that are probably not going to make it to heaven? They're going to end up in hell. It's time for you to start leaning in and uh, seeing what the Spirit of God has to say. So he starts praying in tongues, and God gives him a download. He gets a picture of the schematics of the hydraulic system in his mind, a vision of what the hydraulic system is and the problem. And he sees the solution. God gives him the solution. And he prays the solution, and the plane, the hydraulics come back up, the plane lands, and everybody's good. Crazy stories like this in this book, and I'm thinking, my God, this is what I've been looking for all my life. What's my call? Am I called? Who is called? And now as time goes on, I mean, I'm, I'm walking through life, and I, I get out of the military, come home, and I'm uh, looking for work, and I, I get in construction. I'm a carpenter by trade. I work for a contractor. His name is Pat Sullivan, Sullivan Building Systems. I worked for Sullivan for 18 years. When I started working for him, I had no idea how to swing a hammer, didn't know anything about carpentry, and he taught me everything that he knew. And eventually I became his right-hand man. For 18 years I worked with this man. Residential construction, commercial construction, learned all of it. And during this time, I married my beautiful wife, Noreen. We've got six beautiful children. I'm working life, just like y'all are working life. Getting up and going to work every day, making a living, going to church on Sunday, Wednesday nights, whatever, ushering, volunteering as an usher, working the soundboard, being in the choir, leading worship, uh, whatever we could do. Just living normal life, like the majority of you are doing, amen? And during this time, it's like, I'm passionate for God. I'm on fire for Jesus. I got this burning inside, but I'm, I'm thinking, what is my call? I never realized what my call was. And I'm here today. We're going to get into the scriptures, and I'm going to show you from the word of God. And I want to change and shift your mindset of how you think about yourself. See, we think of the, the call as something that has to do with full-time pulpit ministry. That's the call. See, it's the anointed ones. It's the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor. They have the call. Not me. 
I don't have the call. Well, sometimes it's like, I don't want the call. I want it to be on them. They, they need to have the call. But I'm going to suck you right into this game today because I love you guys. It's, it's, we all have the call. Amen? So I'm, I'm working through all these things. It's like normal life. Uh, we have a friend, Ted and Julie Trandall. They're, they're one of the pastors at this church we were going to in South St. Paul. And they were doing a, a nursing home ministry. And they got called out to something bigger. And they, it was like leaving a vacuum in this nursing home ministry. I'm a carpenter. I have no education. Never been to Bible school. Never been to seminary. And Ted, my friend, he comes up to me one day. I mean, we, we played ball together. We hunted together, fished together. We're friends. And he said, Dave, we're getting ready to move on, and somebody needs to step into this nursing home ministry, and I think you're called. Yeah. It's like you've got to be crazy. I don't, I don't know how to preach, don't know how to teach, don't know how to do any of this stuff, never been to school. I believe in you, Dave. You're called. So my wife and I, we had a choice to make. It's like, hmm, do we step into this? Sure, we'll step into it. I don't have a clue what we're doing, but we're going to do it. We end up going to this nursing home. Honey, how many years were we there? Six years? Something like that? I'm, I'm being honest with you. I didn't know how to preach, how to lead worship. We went to this place. They told us what to do. We opened up a hymnal, sang a couple songs, opened up the Bible, read a couple verses, and expounded on them. Pastor Jim, this is where I learned to preach. I had a captive audience. They couldn't get away. They would roll them out in the wheelchairs, and they were stuck. That's where we learned how to minister. See, what's the call? Who has the call? Why are you called? When are you called? All of these questions. So as we're continuing to move through life, I'm working for a contractor for 18 years, living normal life. I think normal life. And after about 16 years of living normal life, working as a carpenter, working for this contractor, God starts putting this thought in my heart, my mind. Dave, you need to start your own business. You need to start your own business. I don't know how to start a business. I have no business degree. Don't know how to run a business. Don't know how to start it. Don't know what to do. Dave, you need to start a business. So I'm talking to Pat Sullivan. He's my boss. He's my mentor, but he's also a friend. And I start dropping these seeds into his, his heart. Pat, I think God's calling me to start my own business. Two years, Jim, I'm talking to him about this. Two years. And one day he comes up to me and he says, Dave, you've talked about this long enough. Today's a good day. You're fired. <laughs> Whoa! That was a good day to come home to my honey and tell her that. Six kids, no work for the next day. Oh, shoot, what did I do? What did I do? What's the call? So I have a friend, his name is Tracy Trost. He's in my church. He's got a little printing shop. He, he has his own business. We play ball together, hunt together, fish together. Dave, I'll help you. Come on, it's, we'll get the paperwork filled out, send it to the state, send it to the feds. We'll get you legal. You start your own business. 
Well, here we are, 28 years later, Cornerstone Construction is still rolling, still going. Yeah, praise God. But what is the call for your life? How do you know when to step into your call? Who has the call? Why are you called? While I'm in construction for myself, got a business started up. Within one year of being in business, one year after, well, I kind of said yes to Jesus. He gave me the boot. I get a call from my friend, Ted Trandall. He's now the International Crusade Director for Francine World Outreach, doing miracle crusades all over the world. Dave, I need some help. The ministry's growing. Would you come to India with me to observe what we do? I got a business to run, Ted. I, I don't... Well, now that you're in business, see, you can make your own hours, see? <laughs> we pray about it. Okay, I'll go to India. Go to Vijuwada, India, 1997. Watch a seven-day miracle crusade. Tens of thousands of people in the field, blind eyes opening, tumors disappearing, the lame getting up and walking, the dead are being raised. I have a front-row seat to all of this. And my eyes are about this big. What is the call? Why am I here? Who am I? Why me? Why am I foolish enough to have said yes? I come home from India. Within one month, I get a call from my good friend, Ted Trandall. Dave. Dude, I need help. I need someone to go to Togo, West Africa and organize this first miracle crusade. It's like, are you insane? Are you out of your mind? I have no idea how to organize a miracle crusade. Oh, it's just like running a business. You just <laughs> sign the contracts and you meet with the people and you do the stuff. You can do it. I believe in you. Lord Jesus. So we pray. What should I do? I have a business to run. Yes, I'll go. Go to Togo. Get off the plane. Never met anybody before. I have a name and a contact person that I'm supposed to meet. I meet with them and we do the event. It's a five-day miracle crusade. 50,000 people every night. You know, it's... I don't know what I'm doing, Jim. I just follow the list and get her done. And God shows up and he, and he does this thing. So here we are. Togo, West Africa, and now it's all over. I've been sucked into the vortex <laughs> of living the supernatural life and seeing the power of God firsthand, upfront and personal, and I can never be the same. And it changes the dynamic. That's, that's whatever, 28 years ago, whatever it is, that's a little bit, just a small piece of my story, and that brings me up to where I'm at today. Been in over 40 countries around the world, seen uh, millions come to Christ. Why? Because I'm somebody special? No. I'm an uneducated carpenter who was crazy enough just to say yes and take a walk. 
See, the Word of God says, Jamie preaches this all the time in Matthew chapter 10, the Word of God says, as you go, see, I'm going. See this? I'm walking. As you go, proclaim, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, freely you've received, freely give. But here's the point. Who's called? I'm glad you asked. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And what I'm looking to do today is I want to paint a picture, maybe a little bit different than you've thought of yourself before or the people around you. And Pastor Austin, he alluded to this while he was up here, just saying that we need to come together. It's, it's the unity of the body of Christ. We broke bread today. We had communion together today. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 17, it says, But as God has distributed to each one, say each one. Each one. Say it again. Who is that? Who's each one? Is anybody excluded? No. How about Muslims? No. Hindus? No. Skinheads? No. Nobody's excluded? As God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. Are you walking? Or are you standing still? Are you waiting or are you going? The Lord has distributed to each one as the Lord has called each one. What are you called to? I'm a carpenter. What are you? A doctor, a lawyer, a housewife, a son, a daughter? Doesn't matter how young, how old you are. What are you waiting for? God has distributed to you as the Lord has called you. What, are you. what are you passionate about? What are you gifted in? What do you do for a living to make money? That is the high call of God. God has called you to that. That's how you're wired. Somewhere in the Word of God it says, don't desire to be a teacher of the Word because you're going to be held to a higher standard. Don't go after this. Do what you're passionate about, what you're wired to do, what you're gifted to do. That is the high call of God for you. God has given you grace to be all that you've been ordained to be in that place. Why? Because that's where the kingdom of heaven needs to be brought. The majority of people in this world are never going to come through a church door. Ever. But they're going to be with you where you are. Why? Because you are called. What does it say? Verse 18, was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Think about that one for a second. Were you circumcised? How are we going to put the pieces of that puzzle back together? Make you uncircumcised. It's not going to happen. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing. And uncircumcision is nothing. What's he talking about here? What's Paul talking about? He's talking about what? 
physically, whether you're circumcised or not, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, what's he talking about? He's talking about identity. What label do you wear? What title do you have? It's nothing to do with that. Nothing. I don't care if you're circumcised, uncircumcised, slave, free, male, female. It doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. Titles don't matter. I hate titles. I get to travel all around the world. I meet with dignitaries, leaders of nations, leaders in spiritual atmospheres. And so many times they get caught up in this deception. And it's an identity crisis. They, 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 are, they have this inferiority complex, so they have to have a title. You need to call me by, you know, I'm the most anointed apostle, blah, 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 whatever it is. They come up to me and they ask me. Brian, they come up and ask me. I'm sure they ask you too. Brother Dave, how should I address you? Pastor or evangelist or what? what? I just, just call me Dave. Just don't call me late for dinner and I'll be okay. <laughs> titles. We don't need titles. It's not about that. Who are you as a son or daughter of the king? Do you realize who you are? Do you understand it? Do you believe it? You see, many times we choose to step back from the call. Why? Because it's convenient. It's a good excuse. It's a cop-out. I'll let the one who's holding the microphone carry the load. And I won't engage in the game. But it's going to be too late today. It's going to be too late today because I'm going to set you all straight. You're called. You are all called. Everyone. What does it say? Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but keep the commandments of, what, of, God, what, uh, of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. When did you come to Christ? Were you a doctor, lawyer, carpenter? What were you? Stay in that lane until God opens up another door for you to move on. Stay in your lane. Why? Because that lane is not where I'm at. My lane is over here. Your lane is where you are, and people are in your lane. I'm not coming in contact with those people. You are. You're the one. You're the one. Were you called while a slave? Are you an employee? You see, I, I was an employee for 18 years as a carpenter. I was a slave to Pat Sullivan in, a, in the best way possible. I honored him. I served him. And in honoring and serving him, I got promoted over and over again to where I am today. Were you a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. I, may, I got free. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slaves. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Don't become slaves of men. What does that mean? Don't let men label you. Don't let your employer label you. Don't let anyone label you or put you, pigeonhole you into a 
what they think you ought to be. Who are you? As a son or daughter of the king, you walk in authority, you walk in power, you walk in light. Do you believe that? Come on, do you believe it? It's time to step into the call of God. Titles are nothing. Identity is the problem. And all of us face this identity crisis for one reason or another. We either choose to reject the identity that Jesus gave us or we choose to engage it. It's a choice. I believe what God says about me or I don't. It's powerful. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. It says in verse 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Walk worthy of it. What are you called? What are you passionate about? What are you good at? What is your gifting? What is your talent? That's the high call of God for your life. Walk worthy of the calling. Why? Why is it so important to walk worthy of that? Because that's where all the kingdom values need to be brought. I have a question for you. How many tribes are there in Israel? Twelve tribes. How many priestly tribes are there? One priestly tribe. You know what that means? There are 11 tribes that are out winning the wars, building the cities, and doing the stuff. And without those 11 tribes, there would be no priestly tribe. The majority of you sitting in here today, you are not called to pulpit ministry. Praise God. You're called to be doctors, lawyers, carpenters, housewives, whatever you're called to be. And that's the high call of God. That's where God wants to use you. How? Yeah, to make money for sure, take care of your family, but to minister miracles, signs, wonders, wherever you go, whatever you do. I could tell you stories all day long. As a contractor, I'm in people's homes, and I have eyes to see the needs that are there. And I just, I choose to engage because I understand who I am, what's been given to me. I'm in a woman's home. She's got her hair all shaved off. She's got a towel wrapped around her head. It's obvious she's got cancer, and she's struggling. She wants her basement remodeled. I see that you're going through something. Can I, can I ask what's, you know, what's going on? Well, I, I just went through chemotherapy, and... The diagnosis isn't that great, and, you know, I'm in stage four cancer, and, well, is it okay if, how can I pray for you today? See, I didn't ask, can I pray for you? Then she could say no. I say, how can I pray for you today? Well, I would sure like this thing to go away. Well, let's, can I put my hand on you? Sure. In the name of Jesus, I break the curse of this cancer. I release a miracle now. I release healing now, the gift of miracles now in Jesus' name. 
and she's, she gets set free. And it's like, okay, but you, you start there, and it's like, now the one who healed you, do you know him? Do you know the master Jesus that loves you more than, he paid the price. No, I don't know him. Would you like to know him? Yes, I would. Well, it's not complicated. I'm the same as you. I'm just like you. I, I made lots of mistakes. You ever made a mistake? Yeah, I've made mistakes. Well, Jesus paid the price. He made the way. He shed his blood for you and for me. All you have to do is invite him in. You want to do that today? I would like to do that today, yeah. Well, let's pray. She gives her life to Jesus. It's a, it's, the, the stories are all kinds of stories. I'm on a construction site. And, and Jim, construction is dirty, nasty, foul-mouthed guys cussing, swearing all the time. I've got this guy. He's, he's a, a subcontractor, carpenter of mine. We're doing a huge addition. His name is Matthew. And I've known Matthew for several years. And he's got a bunch of cracked out, drug out carpenters working for him. And I'm just being honest with you. They're messed up. So I'm on a job site and I have to go look at another job and I need Matthew to come with me to come and estimate the job with me. I says, Matt, come on, let's go. We're going to go for a ride. Okay, he hops in my truck, and I'm driving down the road. And God comes into my mind and said, today's Matt's day. It's like, come on, God, not today. <laughs> today's Matt's day. I said, God, I got like six more things to do today. I don't have time for this. No, today's Matt's day. So you got a choice. What do you do? I'm driving down the road. I just... It's like, okay, I don't have time. Matt, if today's your last day, where are you going to go, heaven or hell? I said it just like that. He bows his head. I'm probably going to hell. I said, would you like to know for sure that you can have eternal life? Yes, I would. I don't know why you're saying these things today, but I've been thinking about this for a long time, and I, I, I don't know why you're saying these things. I said, would you pray with me then? We're driving down the road, going to a job site. He's got his hands full and his head bowed, and he's giving his life to Jesus in the truck. Yeah, it's, come on, you can praise God. That's good. But for you, see, this is my life. Where's your life? Are you called? Come on, are you called? I beseech you then to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. If you're called to be a doctor, be a doctor. If you're called to be a housewife, a mother, be that. That's where God wants to use you. How do we do that? Verse 2, with all lowliness, gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. There's only one body. How many bodies are there? How about the Muslims? They're part of the body? Hindus? They're just waiting for you. They're, they're potential Christians. You see, Brian, there was a day I didn't know Christ. I was a dirty, foul-mouthed, nasty Marine, and I was on the way to hell. And somebody came to me and turned on the light switch. They're just waiting for you to step into the call. You see, you, we think, we have this mindset that the call has something to do with pulpit ministry. It doesn't. It does not. 
The call is for you to live where you're called to live, do what you're called to do, what you're gifted in, what you're talented in, and bring the kingdom of heaven into this place. Into this place. And when you do, we change the culture of the world. We fulfill the mandate of what Jamie talks about all the time. Genesis 1, 28. Subdue the earth. Have dominion over it. This is our job. This is our mandate as humanity. And I personally believe that Jesus is not coming back until we get it done. He's waiting for us. He's not coming back for a broken down old haggy bride. He's coming for a glorious bride, one that's beautiful, without spot, without blemish. That's what he's coming for. Oh, man, I got to get going here. Down to verse, actually, verse 7. Ephesians 4, verse 7. But to each one, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. See, now we take that and we use that scripture as like, I'm less than. There's a, see, there's a measurement. And I, I'm less than somebody else. Ah. It's baloney. You are given supernatural grace to walk in the call and the gifting that you have. I don't have that. I don't have that wired in me to be a, a doctor or a lawyer. I don't have it. I have it in me to be wired as a carpenter. And God's given me the skill and ability to do that. It's supernatural grace to do what I'm called to do. And in that, in the call, in the profession, that's where God wants to come and meet me and other people to release the kingdom of heaven. Here's what it says. It's according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace is given to you. Go down to verse 11. It talks about the fivefold ministry. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why? What is the, the fivefold ministry for? To equip the saints. For what? To do the work of the ministry. I get to teach this to pastors and leaders all over the world. I get in their face because I love them. And I tell them, pastors, leaders, stop doing the work of the ministry. It's not your job to do the work of the ministry. It's your job to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Where are the saints going to do the work? Where they live, where they work. Whatever the high call of God is for your life, what you're passionate about, what you're gifted in, what you're talented in, that's the high call of God for you. This is where God wants to operate and flow. That's why you come to church on Sunday to listen to Pastor Jamie and Pastor Jim teach you what it is to be a son or daughter of the king and get it from your mind to your heart to actively doing it. This is what it's about. Verse 13. To do the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see, we want the world to change. We desire the world to change. But yet we use the excuse to stay out of the game. 
I'm not the called one. I'm not the one called to pulpit ministry. I'm not, I'm not an evangelist, never been to Bible school. I don't, I don't know how to preach, don't know how to teach. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Does he love his people? Does he desire that not one be lost? No, not one. That's his desire. I want to remind you of a scripture that Jesus said before he left the world. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said these words. These signs will follow those who... What? Believe. Believe what? They believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Are these signs following after you? Are you laying hands on the sick? Are you casting out demons? When's the last time you cast out a demon? I love you. But I'm here to get in your stuff today because I love you and God loves you. I need you. I need you. What you carry, the flavor, the aroma that you carry, I need it. We need it. It's not just this church. We need the whole body of Christ all around the world. Every human being is a potential candidate. They're waiting for you to draw the gold out of them, to turn on the light switch, to speak into them what God has called them to be, to minister to them. I got to get this closed up. I'm running over. Oh, sweet Jesus, help me. Verse 15, jumping down to verse 15, but speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head of Christ from whom the whole body, say the whole body. It's joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. I need you to do your share. God needs you to do your share. How is that possible? Because you are part of the body of Christ. You see, if I cut my little finger off, I'm not going to be whole. I won't be whole. Without you, I'm not whole. Without you, doing what you are called to do, what you're wired for, what you're passionate about in the marketplace. You're part of the 11 tribes. You're building the cities. You're doing the stuff. You're making a difference. But that's great, but I need you to bring the kingdom into those places. Jamie, we preached on last week, discover your call. I'm here to tell you today, this is the call of God, what you're doing right now. This is the call for today. Will that change? Yeah, it's probably going to change. As you continue to walk faithfully in God, as you go, as you go, this is how it goes from glory to glory. If I would have said no to going to India, I wouldn't be here today. If I would have said no going to Togo, if I would have said no, now I'm not going to do a business, I wouldn't be here today. God's looking for your yes. He's looking for crazy fools like you that are willing to say yes to him. Oh, man. I have a question for you. Would you like a sign from God? Come on, would you like a sign? 
Yeah, we all want to sign. God, I wish you'd just take your finger and just write it on the backboard there. What I'm supposed to do, where I'm supposed to go, when I'm supposed to go, how I'm supposed to do it. Give me a sign. You want a sign? I'm going to give you a sign. Turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. This is the story of Moses. The burning bush. We know the story. Moses is out for Jethro, his father-in-law. He's out tending the flock. He's out in the back 40. And he sees something. He sees a burning bush. And it says that he, he turned aside to see what this crazy thing was that was going on. It was a bush that was burning, but it wasn't being consumed. And when he turned, it says that God came and said to him, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am, Lord. And we know the story. God tells him, I'm gonna, I've heard the cry of the people in Egypt. Have you heard the cry of the people outside these doors? Have you heard the cry of the world around you? You see, we're called to take the people out of bondage. Moses was sent to God's chosen people. Who's God's chosen people today? Huh? Everyone. They're all chosen. Jump down to verse 10. God says to Moses, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. You see, God wanted to deliver the people from bondage, from sickness, from disease. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Egypt out of children of Israel out of Egypt. And God said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. You want a sign? Check out this sign. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. What in the world kind of a sign is that? God, I want a sign. Is it really you, or did I have some bad pizza last night? You're talking to me, God. You're telling me you're going to give me a sign. And this is the sign when I go accomplish the mission and bring the people to the mountain, then I'll know it's really you? Come on, what a joke. You see, God is not calling you. He's telling you. The people are lost all around the world. My people are in bondage. Where do you live? Where do you work? Where do you have influence? Who is called? Discover your calling. I'm here to tell you today, whatever you're passionate about, what you are good at, what you're wired for, that is the high call of God for you. And God wants to use that position, that place where you're at now. doesn't matter how young you are if you're in school. doesn't matter how old you are if you're retired. doesn't make any difference. You are living your life every day somewhere with other people. And God wants to bring the kingdom of heaven through your life to touch lives around you. I want to close with this. You may have heard this statement before. 
God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I'll say that again. God doesn't looking for the qualified. He doesn't call the qualified. Oh, I've got a title. I'm the super prophet, blah, 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 whatever I am. I have a title. Those are nothing. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Peter and Andrew, James and John, they were stinky fishermen. God called them. Why? Because their hearts were looking for truth. Jamie made a quote in his message last week. He said, my calling is not independent from other people. We are knit together. We're knit together. I need what you have. I need who you are. As a member of the body of Christ, your calling, my calling, it's not independent from each other, from other people. It's intertwined. And this is why we live. This is why I'm so passionate about sharing this message. I get to share this stuff all around the world. And honestly, it blows people's minds, especially the religious folk. Stand to your feet where you are this morning. I was uh, last year in Tanzania, and uh, we got called kind of impromptu at the last minute to go to the, the National University where the students were there. There's 60,000 students on campus. Uh, the, the campus was huge. They had five, five ma major different compartments, business, law, doctors, all that stuff. And so they, they called my friend Dean and I, please come. It's, they've got a, um, a campus crusade for Christ, something like that. I had a gathering of students that volunteered to come together in the evening to seek God. So we went, and I, Jim, I walked into the door, and I, I saw on the faces of the students the, the kind of um, disappointment. Here's some white, crusty old white dude that's going to come in and give us some religious nonsense that we don't want to hear. And I came and shared with them really a lot of the same things I shared with you today. I told the students, I said, you're here as a business major, but you love Jesus. And you've been told all of your church life that the two don't equate, they don't mix together. They're not, they're not one and the same. And they're all nodding their heads. Yes, yes, yes. We're frustrated, we love God, we're passionate about God, but we're, we're called to be business majors. I broke down all the barriers. I told them, I said, it's, what you're passionate about, go for it. This is the high call of God for your life. God wants to use you in the marketplace to change the culture, to change the culture of your country and to bring kingdom values into business. And I, Jim, I had never seen anything like this. They had a big screen in the back and they were, they were printing out, typing out the quotes that I was saying as they were coming out of my mouth because they couldn't believe it. And as we got done. It's like the phone rang. There's another meeting tomorrow night on the next campus. And you got to come. You got to come. You got to tell this, this information to set these people free from the religious mindsets. 
It's, yeah, come on, give praise to God. Today, you are here. Whether you're watching online, wherever you are in the world, just put your hand on your heart. Close your eyes. Father, I thank you for each and every one. Each member of the body of Christ that I need so desperately to do what they're good at doing, to be all that you've ordained them to be, to make multi-millions, multi-billions of dollars to advance the kingdom of heaven all around the world. Man, some are called in this room to make billions of dollars. God ideas that you have. Father, move them forward. Let them walk. Let them move. Not be standing and waiting, but getting out of the boat, walking on the water. Man, it's scary, Dave. I know it. It was scary for me, too, to start a business. It was scary for me to go to Togo. But I'm here to tell you today, Jesus is not in the boat. <laughs> He's on the water where the storm is raging, the wind is blowing, the waves are crashing, and it's scary. And Jesus is reaching out his hand to you and he's saying, come on. You see, there were 12 in the boat. Peter said, if it's you, Lord, tell me, come. Jesus did not say, Peter, come. He just said one word. He said, come. The invitation was to all, and it's here today to all. Will you walk on the water with Jesus? Will you step into the adventure zone? That's the adventure is so great. You have no idea where it's going to take you, where it's going to lead you. But in eternity, the stories will be told of the exploits that you have done because you were foolish enough to say yes to Jesus. You are crazy enough to get out of the boat and walk on the water with Jesus. Take a deep breath. Do you feel that? That's the free air of heaven. With every breath you draw in, you draw in the fullness of the kingdom of heaven because of who you are. You're a son, you're a daughter of the king. Now breathe out. With every breath you release, everywhere that you go, you get to release the fullness of the kingdom of heaven because of who you are. You're children of the king. So, Father, I bless each one today with a new mindset, a new understanding that they're right where they need to be, right where you want them to be here today. And in that place, they will embrace all that they are and they will say yes to you. May the Lord bless you.
May the Lord keep you. May his face shine upon you. May you hear his voice in the morning, in the noontime, in the evening. And may you respond with your yes to all that he has for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God.